Dear God said, I should have been more specific in my previous email. One of the questions was regarding as to how Noah was able to feed all the animals on the ark. Some animals have special diets such as koala bears. They eat eucalyptus leaves. Some animals eat meat or fresh fruit. I was just wondering if there was a theory or a clue in the Bible about this that I was unaware of. Excuse me. Sincerely, Wes. God said, man said, responds. Dear Wes, the flood during the days of Noah has been so clearly established by geology, archaeology, paleontology, etc., and proven by global flood strata, fossil records, etc., and so completely embedded in the history of so many ancient cultures that one wonders why the debate still rages. See Noah's Ark Factor Fiction and Noah 2 on this website. In spite of the mountains of evidence, skeptics continue to snipe from the undergrowth. The question concerning the koala's diet and the specialized diets of other creatures has been bandied about by the anti-God ranks, and I see this has caused a question in your mind, too. The answer is relatively simple. But first take note that the flood was supernaturally orchestrated. The first record of rain in history is the 40-day, 40-night deluge in the days of Noah. The following statement found in Genesis 2, 5, and 6 reads, And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist, a mist excuse me, from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground. The rain was supernaturally induced. Noah was supernaturally forewarned approximately 100 years in advance of the world-destroying flood. God supernaturally gave Noah the blueprints to build an ark sufficient for the massive undertaking. It was a sea-going vessel that was impossible to capsize. God supernaturally gave Noah the phenomenal organizational skills to accomplish the colossal feat of saving representatives of all creatures with the breath of life in their nostrils, including himself and his seven other family members. God supernaturally sent the creatures to Noah. God supernaturally closed the doors of Noah's ark and safely shut up the parentage of all this world's land-dwelling creatures. All questions about this event will have supernatural as part of the answer because it was supernaturally orchestrated. Many challenges can be explained in a very natural, pragmatic way, such as the koala issue. But be advised, the answer could just as easily be that God did it supernaturally. Noah was commanded by God in Genesis chapter 6, verses 21 and 22, And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. From the time that God originally spoke to Noah to the beginning of the flood, there was a period of approximately 100 years which gave him and his family ample time to accomplish the task set before him. One must keep in mind that the average lifespan before the flood was 911 years. See, Adam was to live forever. Where did Cain get his wife? 120 years and dinosaurs on this website. Much research has been undertaken concerning the validity of the Bible's record of Noah's flood. One book in particular that addresses a myriad of Noahic challenges, including the necessary food supplies, was written by John Woodmorapi. Its title is Noah's Ark, A Feasibility Study. The following excerpts are from the book. The koala is widely reputed to be the most specialized vertebrae feeder of all. It subsists on almost nothing but fresh eucalyptus leaves, and then only from a very select number of species. In this section, I demonstrate that assuming the koala had indeed been a stenophagic eucalyptic eater before the flood, Noah could have maintained it on common foods. In the subsequent chapter, I show that, before the flood, 
koalas may have subsisted on a broad range of foodstuffs. Morton recounts the obligation of koalas to live on eucalyptus leaves and imagines the impossibility of its provision on the ark. Some believers have suggested that eucalyptus might have been cultivated on the ark. While this is unnecessary, it would have been feasible. Eucalyptic seedlings could easily have been raised in the shady recesses of the ark. Maintaining some small adult trees would also have been possible, as we know that ancient peoples used to ship whole trees with roots and soil still attached to them. Again, <coughs> Wood Morapi writes, Have there been any instances where a koala was maintained a year or more on something other than fresh eucalyptus leaves? The answer is a resounding yes. To begin with, when koalas are very young, they, like animals, subsist on milk. It is possible to keep a young koala on a milk-based diet for at least 10 months. A milk-farinaceous diet can also be used, as can a bread-milk diet. In fact, young koalas that have been hand-reared will accept a wide variety of common foods. The first koala to be brought alive to Europe arrived in 1880 at the London Zoo, along with a voluminous supply of dried eucalyptus leaves. It had arrived from Australia on ship after all airplanes were not to be invented for another 23 years, subsisting on the dried eucalyptus leaves for at least several months. One should also consider that the ancient art of dehydrating foods for purposes of preservation would have been a viable option exercised by Brother Noah. Let not your heart be troubled, Brother West. God is never wrong. God never loses. This following question came from Tony. Jesus came through the line of David to Joseph. How did this happen if Mary was a virgin and Jesus was conceived through the Holy Spirit? Joseph never had intercourse with Mary to have Jesus come through his bloodline. Didn't Mary have to come through the line of David also? Please help me with this question. Thank you, and may God richly bless your ministry, signed Tony. God said, man said, responds. Dear Brother Tony, direct lineage to King David, as you well noted, was the required pedigree of the prophesied Messiah. Matthew's account in chapter 1 records the lineage of Christ through his adoptive father, Joseph. Matthew 1.16 reads, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. As Joseph's adopted son and the firstborn, Jesus carried the legal right of inheritance. Luke's account in chapter 3 is Christ's actual bloodline to King David via the Virgin Mary. The following excerpt is from Haley's Bible Handbook. The genealogy as given in Luke is somewhat different. Matthew goes back to Abraham, Luke to Adam. One is descending, begat, the other is ascending, was son of. From David they are separate lines, touching in Shealtiel and Zerubbabel. The commonly accepted view is that Matthew gives Joseph's line, showing Jesus to be legal heir to the promises given Abraham and David, and that Luke gives Mary's line, showing Jesus' blood descent, son of David according to the flesh, Romans 1.3. Mary's genealogy, in accord with Jewish usage, was in her husband's name. Joseph was the son of Heli, Luke 3.23, that is, son-in-law of Heli. Jacob was Joseph's father, Matthew chapter 1, verse 16. These genealogies, given more fully in First Chronicles chapters 1 through 9, form the backbone of Old Testament annals. Carefully guarded through long centuries of epochal vicissitudes, they contain a family line through which a promise was transmitted 4,000 years, a fact unexampled in history. In the book, the Bible has the answer. The following excerpt is found. The Bible's seeming contradictions and paradoxes are always harmonious and satisfying upon deeper study. 
This one finds its solution in another superficial discrepancy, the apparently contradictory genealogies of Christ in Matthew chapter 1, verses 6 through 16, and Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 31. Matthew gives the legal and royal lineage from David through Solomon and Jeconias, the last man to occupy Judah's throne, to Joseph, the foster father of Jesus. Luke gives the true biological line from David through Nathan to Heli, the father of Mary. To have the legal right to the throne of David, Jesus must be the legal son of Joseph. But he could not be the true son of Joseph because of God's judgment on Jeconias, and yet he must be actually of the seed of David to occupy that throne. The virgin birth resolves these impasses. Next, please note this excerpt from Grant R. Jeffrey's book, Jesus, The Great Debate. It is important to note that during Jesus' life and for 250 years thereafter, no one questioned his genealogical right to David's throne. If there was a real rather than an apparent problem in the different accounts of his genealogy as recorded by Matthew and Luke, surely his Jewish enemies would have challenged the accuracy of the gospel accounts. The Jewish people at the time of Christ had access to the genealogical records which were available for legal examination in the temple until A.D. 70. The silence of his critics on this score clearly suggests that they understood the two different accounts of his genealogy are being complementary and not contradictory. This final note concerns Christ Jesus' pedigree. The Jewish Babylonian Talmud refers to Christ in his crucifixion. The Jews were extremely careful about the judgment of the Lord. In these ancient, ancient writings of the Jews, Rabbi Eula said, It was different with Jesus, for he was near to the kingship. End of quote.